We are in our uh, third week of talking about this shadow Savior. Uh, this uh, building up to Easter time for us, we're taking a look at the Jesus that sometimes is not as comfortable to get next to. Sometimes we're thinking about Jesus in ways we've never thought of Christ before, but as, as we're going through this time, we've talked about when Jesus confuses you, uh, when Jesus angers you, and today, when Jesus scares you. In the scripture that Brian's about to read, you're going to hear him read a passage that we normally think is coming in a few weeks, but we brought it forward into today so that we can get close to this moment when it seems pretty clear how afraid Jesus was. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran, got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. That's the word of God for the people of God. God. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we ask you to be that spirit that we rely on now for what we know we need and for so much more. Be our comfort, be our strength, be our hope, and be the one who holds us close in the moments of our fear Help us find comfort. Help us find you, finding us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds all be worthy and acceptable in your sight. In the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. March 25th. July 20th. September 24th, 1977. November 14th, 1981, seven minutes to midnight. May 19th, 1983, two minutes, four minutes after two. We all have moments in our lives that, that we remember so deeply, so profoundly. They left an impact upon us so much that we mark them in our memories by their date. You have those days, right? Those days in your mind that are indelible. You remember the date and you remember what you were doing on that day. Do you have those? Turn around and share one date with someone around you. Whatever was going on on that day, the fact that you remember its date is, 
is important to you, and, and let me help you out. If you just turn to your spouse, and they did not remember your anniversary, it was only because they were so overwhelmed by your beauty and love on that day, it sort of blends. That's, that's my out for you, if that helps anybody here. Um, March 25th, it's the day I was baptized. I was less than a year old, but once I learned that day, it's always been a special day for me. September 24th, 1977, about 8.25 in the morning, first time I saw Laura Sessoms. May 12th, 1979, when we got married. The 14th of November, 81, seven minutes to midnight, Emily was born. May 19th, 1983, four minutes after two, Elizabeth was born. We all have those dates that we remember that are special to us. Let us try a few more. 9-11. If you were alive and old enough, you remember 9-11, a previous generation, December 7th. 2008, I mean, just a whole year, if I remember correctly. Those, those memories being attached to a date, to a time, always tell us that that moment was significant beyond others. Which is why I think it's important to understand. In the scripture today, it says about three o'clock in the afternoon. I want you to know this. The scripture for today was written 60 years after the death of Jesus. 60 years later, they still remember about three o'clock in the afternoon. What other scripture do you think of where they say, this is when it happened. When Jesus is talking to that lawyer about how one must have faith, does it tell the time? No. When, when Jesus goes to see the Samaritan woman, we know it's the middle of the day, but do we know what day? Hardly any place else in the gospel story do they care to tell us the moment. But... Sixty years after the moment, they still know about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, Lamas, Abaxanai. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And notice that they mark the time of his fear, not his death. It is so powerful for them to come into a moment when their Lord was afraid, scared. That was so powerful for them about three o'clock in the afternoon, 60 years later. Now, they knew about being afraid following Jesus. They had experienced that multiple, multiple times. In the scriptures, God scared people. Noah in the garden. I mean, I'm sorry, Adam in the garden. 
Noah on that boat in the middle of a typhoon. Sarah, first being afraid that she would be childless and then being afraid she'd have a child in old age. Peter, who spent his life being afraid because he put himself in one position or another where he couldn't deal with what was going on. Mary, my goodness, which time when she discovered she was going to give birth in the way in which she did, when she stood there by the cross watching her son and Savior die, when she went to the tomb two days later and just pleaded, would you just tell me where they took his body? Following Jesus can be scary. My own personal experience of following Christ began March 25th, 1956. But the truth is, it wasn't until much later I got serious about it. And it wasn't until that night that I still remember when my pastor asked me, what are you feeling? And I said, I feel like I'm standing on the edge of a cliff and someone's asking me to step out. And it's completely dark. I cried, I was so scared. It's a part of my call. It's a part of my call and understanding that in following Jesus, I've been scared. It's a part of my gospel witness that Jesus, my God, has been scared. Well, what was he scared of? Abandonment. Jesus was afraid that the God who had been following his father, the one who he claimed to be representing, that this one he'd been talking to had abandoned him, had had left him alone in this critical moment. Have you ever felt that fear? Have you prayed and nothing's happening? Anyone? And we know Jesus, throughout his ministry, went off by himself to pray. Gospel saw us that multiple times. And what did he pray for? Well, I'm going to assume he prayed just to give God thanks for the day. I'm assuming he prayed to give God thanks for family and friends. I'm assuming he prayed uh, for the kinds of things that you and I pray for all the time. I'm sure he prayed that God would somehow give him patience to deal with the people he was dealing with. Can I get an amen? But I'm also going to assume that before the Garden of Gethsemane that the choir sang so well about this morning, he prayed for God to give him comfort when he was afraid. And we see it again there in that garden. So afraid he literally sweats blood. Think about that. It's interesting that we live in a world that's scary, amen? I don't know what you're scared about today. I don't know what frightens you. I don't know what makes you nervous in the middle of the night. I don't know what keeps you scared. Maybe it's personal stuff. Maybe it's the world stuff. But it's been my experience that if you, if you chose to get out of bed today, if you chose to be in a relationship, if you chose to, to put yourself into a place of, 
of moving outside of your house, or if you chose to stay in the bed with the covers over, there are things that can make you afraid. It's a scary world. And yet, we all too often act as if somehow fear is absence of faith. That, you know, people who are faithful shouldn't be afraid. And I'm here to tell you exactly the opposite is true. Our faith will take us to places where we will be afraid. If we follow Jesus seriously, we're going to go to places that we would not go on our own. And if we're going to be serious about following Jesus, we're going to go to places that we will not be able to handle on our own. And in those places, when our fear starts to rise, we have a decision to make. Are we ready to do what Jesus did? Are we ready in our moment of our greatest fear to trust all the more? When we get to the places of our greatest fear, what did Jesus do? He let go. Literally. Eli, Eli, What does he do next? He dies. He gives up his life to trust that the one who promised him it would be okay, that it would be. Now, we could play it safe. I know we could. I've done it in my life. We can play with Jesus and not be serious about Jesus. We can keep Jesus involved in the small stuff of life, but never ask Jesus to take over our agenda, take over our journey. We can say, Jesus, I'm going to bring you along this weekend because I'm pretty sure there's nothing going on that we're going to be upset with each other about on this weekend. But you can't have control of my life because I don't want to be that upset with you because I'm pretty sure that if you take over my life, something's going to happen different than how I would lead it. But if we're going to really follow Jesus, which is what this season of the year asks for us, which is what the gospel asks of us, then we have to make the decision, are we going to follow Jesus even to the places that are beyond our comfort zone where we're going to be scared? Each one of us will have to answer that question. We answer that question corporately. We do all kinds of things around here that, quite frankly, should scare, literally, I mean, the hell out of us. Because we dare to believe God's promises are true. We dare to believe that if we trust in what we're being asked to do, that like Christ, when we let go, God's promises will be kept and new things will be revealed to us. But that doesn't happen without fear. So what are we supposed to do when we get afraid? I'm not your therapist and I'm sure not the guy who's got all the answers. So all I do is I go back to the Gospels and I look and I say, what did Jesus do? He trusted God all the more. He said, you know, basically, I've gotten this far, I'm all in. I'm not, pull, I'm not pulling back. I'm going to trust God for what I can't see, what I can't know, but I'm going to trust that in the leaping, stepping off, God will be there. I'm going to not do this alone. 
On the cross, Jesus was alone. There's no doubt about it. But somewhere on the edges, Mary was still there. John was there. Others were there. And along the journey, Jesus said, we're not going to do this alone. This is not just a Jesus and me experience. We're going to be a community together. If you're afraid, then don't be afraid alone. Be afraid with others around you. Name it. Talk about it. Speak it. Because in the speaking of it, there's something that happens in faith where that which frightens us becomes less scary. And maybe the other thing we can do is know that the moments when we're afraid the most, maybe the moment the greatest next thing's about to happen. I don't mean to minimize the fear because fear is terrible. But I can tell you when Jesus asked me to step off the cliff into a dark abyss and just trust, and not that night, but Sometime later, I said yes. It began a journey that took me to places I was never going to go on my own, to meet people I was never going to meet on my own. July 1st, 2004. I would never, ever have come to Clarkston. I wouldn't know you. If back then, I hadn't trusted. And I count that a privilege. The other thing Jesus did, maybe the most important thing, is that he remembered. He remembered the story that had been told him about the very beginning, about his birth, Because part of that story of his birth was the fact that people were scared. The shepherds were terrified. Mary and Joseph were terrified. Uh, Herod was terrified. A lot of people were scared at Jesus' birth. And in the middle of that birth, the angels come, and they say to everybody, what? Do not be afraid. Because Jesus' coming is not intended to scare you but to give you the ability to never be afraid again. So maybe that's why on the cross, when he shouted out fear of God's abandonment, he could remember for a second, do not be afraid. And then two days later, when they went to the tomb to find him, There they found another angel who said, I know that you've come here seeking Jesus, but he's not here. Do not be afraid, for he is alive. You see, in the middle of every moment of Jesus' life, even the scary moments, Resurrection is always the final part of the story. So my dear friends, I'm not going to tell you not to be afraid. I'm going to invite you to lay claim to your fears. I'm going to invite you to talk about them with someone. 
I'm going to invite you in the middle of the very thing you're the most scared of to trust God even more. I'm going to remind you this morning of this simple truth. Don't go through your fears alone. One, because it will help you get through the time, but also because then others will be with you when the inevitable moment of resurrection occurs. And that's the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen.